Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Guys, it's week two of our countdown series. If you're wondering what is the countdown, we're counting down towards the fall and um, just with great expectation of what God's going to do. And I'm really excited as, as, uh, as your pastor to look towards the fall, to um, look forward to all that God wants to do. And, you know, I've been starting to describe the fall as Slate 2.0. You know, we um, have had to adjust and learn things and discover things about ourselves in the middle of the pandemic and now coming um, nearing like kind of living with this thing called COVID and everything else. And we've learned all these things and, and it's time for us to emerge with a greater hunger, a greater uh, desire and a deeper understanding of what God wants to do through our church, a more mature understanding of what he wants to do through us as his church here in Waterloo. You know, prior to the COVID, um, we would constantly, I, would, I, I think I, I would say this almost every week, you know, Slate Church isn't a church about hype, it's a church about hope. And that's, that's good, good to say, but for that to get to like just something that we're hearing as a church and actually get into our hearts, maybe something like the pandemic had to happen. I, I, I wish that it didn't have to happen, but maybe that's one of the things that needed to happen for it to sink from our ears into our minds and into our hearts to understand that we are a church that's not built on hype, but it's built on the hope of Jesus Christ for the world that we live in. And when we get that deep inside of us, it really doesn't matter what the government decides moving forward. It really doesn't matter um, what uh, is going on in the world around us. We will have a desire that goes deeper than our circumstances for the people that live in this world with us that we want to direct towards the love of Jesus. And, and I'm really excited um, just to, to live out that understanding. Well, Jared, Pastor Jared um, brought a great word last week, uh, a, a word around serving others. And I want to bring... Uh, part two, the countdown uh, series, we're in, in, we're in the second message of that series. And I wrote down this title for it, and I'd love for you to write it down if you're taking notes. Um, please take notes. Note, taking notes is a great way to learn this stuff more deeply. We're paying attention. We're not as apt to check our phone in the middle of the message and everything else. Uh, everything worth doing in life will take work. Even applying God's word to our souls is not something we're entertained by, but it's something that we actually put into work. So the message title for this week's message is the lengths we go for the things we love. The lengths we go for the things we love. Why don't we quickly pray and we'll get into it. Jesus, the lengths we go for the things we love. I know this all too deeply because some of the things I've loved in this world are not the things that you want me to. And so I pursue and go to great lengths to pursue things that aren't of your heart. But God, when you bring something into my focus that is after your heart and in line with who you are, what a beautiful surrender that is and what a beautiful, uh, what beautiful lengths I will go to pursue the things you love. God, I pray today that we would have a reorientation of our hearts, a reorientation of our minds. God, in our souls, may something shift here whenever we're watching this that would remind us, Lord, that you are who you say you are, that you are worth pursuing, and the things that you encourage us to do are worth putting our hope, our trust, and our greatest love in. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, I'm going to be reading out of an interesting passage here today. We're going to go, be going through Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5 to um, give, give a scriptural basis that we're going to launch for, from uh, for this, this message title, The Lengths We Go for the Things We Love. Now, I've loved many different things in this world. English is interesting. Many different cultures have many different words for love. And, but, but English has this, this interesting dynamic that we say we love everything. You know, my son loves Paw Patrol. Um, I love my wife. I think that we see that there's a bit of a difference in there. And if there wasn't, there's something going on that shouldn't be going on, right? Um, either uh, Theo is loving Paw Patrol too much or I am loving my wife far too little. But we have this, we have this word love and we apply it in multiple situations and we have a hard time differentiating through our language um, how much we actually love something. But while we have a hard time differentiating in our language our love for things, we certainly don't have a hard time differentiating in our actions. So our actions speak loudly about what we love. Now, for some of us, it's interesting. We might say, hey, Theo's love for Paw Patrol is obviously different than Brandon's love for his wife. But when it comes for some of us, our love for sports and our loves for our spouses, while we say, hey, there's also a difference in language, the way that we act upon those things, we actually start to begin to understand that maybe there's not so much of a difference at all. In fact, some of us are acting like we love our sports teams more than we love our spouses, right? So, so there's a differentiation that happens in our actions because we go to great lengths for the things that we love. I remember dating Emma. And I remember the very first date that we went on. We went for a walk on the pier in Coburg um, after I met her parents, I think for the first time. Uh, I, I had just come back from Florida, and I remember I had this Minnie Mouse uh, uh, stuffed animal that I was like carrying down to the beach. I was a skinny little kid. Uh, I was 17 years old, had no clue what I was doing. I met her parents, and then we went out for this walk on the pier. We went bowling later. We played Yahtzee with my mom. What a beautiful date. And... Um, it would be years later that Emma would be like, I remember being so ticked off with you on our first date. And I was like, what, did it, what? Was it like playing Yahtzee with my mom? Like, what, what part of it? She's like, no, 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 none of that. Um, my mom and, and Emma get along phenomenally. Um, I didn't mess up on the content of the date. But she said, like, it felt like you weren't pursuing me at all. So in Coburg, there's this pier. And uh, the pier, like, it's got two tiers to it, okay? The pier with two tiers. And she's up on the top, t- uh, I'm up on the top tier of the pier with her. And it's about a four-foot drop, right? Three and a half, four-foot drop, pretty high. We're up there, and I just jumped down. I'm a 17-year-old guy that's really active, and I just jumped down. Well, Emma's stuck up on the top tier, and she wants to get down because we got to get home. And uh, she's like, oh, I'm stuck up here on the top tier. And I was like, oh, um, you could just jump down, like, right here. And she's like, oh, I don't want to, like, hurt my, my ankle. Like, it'd be great if you, you know, how do I get down? You know, and I was like, it's really easy. All you have to do is you just jump down. And she's like, no, like, I'm worried I'm going to hurt my ankle. And I'm like, if you turn around on your stomach, you can, like, let yourself down like this. And, like, doing all this. I, I mean, I'm 17-year-old. I'm like, what? Like, it's, it's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, she, she would tell me later on in her relationship, like, like she was throwing so many hints, like grab my hand, help me down. Like, like, you know what I mean? I didn't know what I meant back then. I was just like, yeah, just do it. You can do that. But you know, I really, really, really liked Emma. 
In fact, I was already beginning to love her. You know, I wanted to make sure I did this right. In my mind, physical things come after I understand you as a person. Now, that's not maybe the way that we all need to pursue our relationships. We certainly need to be careful with the physical. We don't have to go to that great a lengths. But I remember just having my eyes focused and, and realizing that I'm going to go to any length that it takes to win this girl's heart, even if it means remaining as pure as possible in the process. And I remember still 17 years old and knowing this is the girl that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry. Now, when my kids get older, I'm certainly not gonna tell them that I was 17 years old. This story's gonna be like, when I was 25 years old, I knew I was, you know, because I certainly had 17. Do not want them thinking this way. But I remember working for an entire summer and in saving up the money for Emma's engagement ring that I put away in a bank account that I used when I was then 19 years old when I proposed to my wife. And I remember early in those days just working night and day. This was the season where I was working as a grave digger. I would dig graves by hand. This was the season where I set up baseball nets, uh, basketball nets, not baseball, not basketball, volleyball nets on the beach. Like, you said it, wow, okay. Um, on the beach, and I would take them down, and I would hire on workers to help me with that, whereas umpiring and cutting ditches, and I would take that money, I'd put it in an account, and I wouldn't spend any of it because I loved this girl. I loved her. I went to any lengths that it took to show her, listen, I love you. I remember our first Christmas, I bought her this like purple sweater that I was like so proud of because it's the first piece of woman's clothing I ever bought and she liked it. I'm like, I'm the best. I also bought her a $500 diamond necklace. On our first Christmas as 17 and 16 year olds, I bought it. And I kid you not, it was a few months later, she's horseback riding, breaks the thing, it falls in the dirt to be lost forever. So for her birthday a month later, I buy her another $500 diamond necklace to replace it. And I look back on this stuff and I'm like, you idiot, take that money and put it in an index fund. You don't realize how much money you actually have, you know. But we do crazy things to pursue the things that we love. In Acts chapter four, there's an example of the love that the early church had for one another. Acts chapter four, verse 22 says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. They tell a specific story about a guy named Joseph, and it says he was a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles, call, apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I don't know why I find it so funny, but I think it's hilarious that the church and Jesus was always changing people's names. Like, I, it's just funny to me. It's like, you join our church, we'll give you a new name, okay? Which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The lengths we go for the things we love. You know, it's interesting. We, um, we're a church that's actually very generous, like very generous. Uh, in our previous Heart for the House, which is a one week, or it's a season we go through a church, but on one Sunday, we give above and beyond what we give regularly as a church. 
Well, this past year, we gave just shy of $300,000 to Heart for the House. I think that's remarkable. Like, in fact, I think that's completely amazing. Every week we get up and we do a giving talk and that sort of thing, and Jared just did that. And I think it's amazing because every week people are being faithful in their giving. But you know, the story of just shy of 300,000 and our healthy finances week to week, even throughout the pandemic, only tell part of the story. Because as much as I would love to say that everybody in our church gives all the time, the truth is, is that there's a percentage of people that give all the time. And that percentage is probably around a third of the people. And it's interesting because I think for a lot of us, and and I know that I'm speaking to probably 60% of you that have a really hard time giving. And yet sometimes, like when I was dating Emma or maybe with uh, um, our our gaming systems or the clothes that we wanna wear or whatever else, we'll go to such great lengths to pursue those things. And we wonder why the heart of God is lacking inside of us when we aren't going to as great of lengths with him. You see, we will go to great lengths for the things that we love. It says all the believers were in uh, one in heart and mind. It indicates that the early church was so passionate about one another and the mission of Jesus Christ that they were going to, willing to go to such great lengths that they would actually sell everything they had in order to give to the people around them. It was such an incredible move of God that it says that there were no needy persons among them. It was such a powerful movement that a guy named Barnabas would go and sell a field and give all of that money to the apostles. It was moving, uh, the, the move of God, the early Jesus movement was moving so fast and so quickly and so generously because the love that they had for God for, and for one another. It's almost like they heard the greatest commandments from Jesus when he was asked, Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And he responds, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, they were one in heart, With all your mind, they were one in mind. And with all your soul, their souls were connected because they were were trusting in Jesus and the Holy Spirit was moving inside of them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all of your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's almost as if they didn't need another commandment, but they said, Jesus, for all that you have done for us, we're willing to give it all back to you because we want to actually see this commandment spread throughout the earth. We want to be the group of people that reveals to the world that Jesus has impacted our life so much, that we love each other so much, that we're willing to demonstrate in this cloudy and confusing society and culture that we live in, that you are who you say that you are, and we are willing to give ourselves to one another to give it a different example of what it looks like to live here on earth, but also in the kingdom of God. They were of one heart and mind, and so they sold all of these different things. And yet there's another story going on because it continues in Acts chapter five. And there's a couple. And it says, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Don't do that. (laughs) It says, then Peter said, who was one of the the leaders of the church at the time, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart, right? Because it's it's where our hearts are. It's what we love determines where we're gonna go, what lengths we're gonna go for the things that we love. It says, how has Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit 
and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Most pastors don't speak on this passage because of that verse. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Listen, when I speak this, people are like, uh, I've got new friends here. Like, this isn't the story. They, we were feel, we're not just, the people there weren't just filled with fear. When we hear the story, we are filled with fear. We're like, what do we do with this story? About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Acts 4 is telling this beautiful story of the way that the early church went to such great lengths because of their love for God and their love for one another. Followed up by the next chapter, the next event that starts to happen is people start recognizing what is happening and they want to get in on the process and the love that they see. So they start coming, but only half-heartedly. And all of a sudden, fear starts to grip the church. You see, complete surrender releases joy and celebration and and so many great things within the church. But half-heartedness is what brings a spirit of fear amongst the people. Where are you going with this, Brandon? (laughs) I thought this was a great message about we'll go to such great lengths for the things that we love. One thing that we need to understand about this whole story is that it is not prescriptive, but descriptive. I love this, this, um, this, this, um, uh, differentiating in the story that's here. Just because the early believers were giving all that they, were, they had to give does not mean that that's what we need to do as a church. Like, like, in fact, what we sometimes miss when we're reading through this story is that it says, from time to time, those who own land and, or houses sold them. It wasn't all the time, but from time to time. Joseph, it says, he sold a field he owned, giving us reason to believe he owned quite a bit of fields. In fact, when Ananias and Sapphira go to great lengths to deceive the people of God and the rest of the church, Peter doesn't respond with like, why didn't you give it all? But he says, wasn't the money at your disposal? Like you could have done whatever you want with it. You didn't have to give it all. But why did you say you gave it all? See, here's the thing. Is dishonesty leads to death, but truth leads to life. If we're gonna go to such great lengths to love the city that we live in, if we're gonna go to such great lengths to love this church that we're a part of, if we're gonna go to such great lengths to reflect God's love that he has for us to the world that we live in, we need to start getting honest with where we're actually at with him. See, we can't keep pretending like we're all in if we really know that we're back during the sin problem over here and we really just wanna hold it along because we're not quite sure about this God thing and we don't wanna be too crazy, so I don't wanna give up all this stuff just in case this is not what it mean, it's, it's meant to be. And here's the thing. We have no reason to believe that there's anything wrong with that as long as we're willing to be honest. <laughs> 
See, Jesus calls it the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, but he doesn't really call it the sin of, uh, sorry, he calls it the sin. I wanna be very careful. All of a sudden, I'm gonna finish that sentence. Somebody's gonna put it up on YouTube 20 years down the road and people are gonna, look, he doesn't. No, no, but he hangs out with sinners and he has less of a problem with them, even though he talks about sin with them, than he does hanging out with the religious that wanna pretend like they're doing everything that the sinners are not. Jesus cares more about our honesty when it comes to him and the people that we're doing life with than being dishonest and trying to play it off. Here's the thing, love is all in, love is all in while liking is half in. Okay, I'm gonna start tying this all together for us because we're walking into the fall One thing that I see throughout scripture over and over and over again is that Jesus isn't trying to gather crowds as much as he's trying to gather the faithful. Okay, so he's not trying to just gather everybody and just be like, hey, this is a great party. Look look at how popular I am. Look how many people I have. Look how many followers I have. Look, I've got the verified check mark beside my name. This This is awesome. Ministry is going really well. Constantly throughout scripture, we see actually in the crowd, he's trying to identify the people that are there for the right reasons. There because love has consumed their hearts, consumed their minds, consumed their souls, and they're all in on this thing. Because he knows that if he can reach out to those people, that they can change the world. 12 people are following Jesus day in and day out, day in and day out. And it's those 12 people, one of them eventually turns his back on, but it's those people, it's that group of people that go and change the world. Jesus does not leave a big budget after he leaves this world. He doesn't leave, leave an admin assistant for his, his, um, the, the person that's gonna uh, succeed him. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't leave a, a big budget or a great building with auditorium seating. He doesn't leave a church ministry van so that they can drive out and gather all the people and bring them back. He doesn't leave them with a strategic plan for growth into the future. He doesn't leave them a next steps plan to lead people deeper into the church. He leaves 11 committed men that would go out and change the world because when and 11 committed men got so engrossed in the love of Jesus and so engrossed in the love for the, that Jesus had for the world that they were so all in and they went and transformed the entire world. The lengths we will go for the things we love. And the reason I bring up honesty is because if we're not at that point, God only wants us to be honest. Because if we can actually tell ourselves that, yeah, I mean, I, I try to pretend all the time with God. If we can start admitting it, that's the point that God can start drawing us deeper and deeper and deeper into his love. Nowhere in Acts chapter four or five is there an expectation that everybody had to give everything. Only their hearts to Jesus. It's only, our hearts need to be fully with him, absolutely. But the outworking of that, there was no religious amount that they put on this to indicate who could be a part of the church or who couldn't be. It was all a deeper understanding of where people's hearts were at, where their love was, and whether or not they were willing to be honest with what they were actually giving to God. I think for some of us, we made it kind of a lifelong mission to just kind of like play the part when it comes to church. 
Like as long as I show up on Sundays or as long as I show up once every four weeks or as long as I do that, I can play the part and, and pretend and, and you know, every once in a while send a text to make sure I'm doing my thing. And when I feel guilty about something, I just go and do a good deed and it makes me feel a little bit better. And as long as I respond on Sundays to the word of God, that's it and whatever else. Guys, I am suggesting today that God is calling us to a deeper level of honesty with where we're actually at with him so we can understand where our love for the world actually stands before him. Because what it's gonna take in this next season of the world that we live in to reach the world that we live in is to be really honest where we're at with our love towards the world. Are we actually willing to be all in? Because for some of us, we love to play the part, but it's why we're getting burnt out serving in church. A lot of us love to play the part, but it's why we're getting burnt out when we're trying to go out and, and, and serve those around us because the love for it is, is lacking behind our action for it. You see, see, we're acting without loving. And what we learn is that our love and our action, almost in every other area of our life, our action follows our love. But for some of us, we're trying to force something that we need to get really deep with and honest in ourselves and go, if God, you can transform my heart, you can transform my actions. When all of a sudden our actions in serving others is motivated out of a deep love for the world that we live in, we don't run the risk of burning out. We don't run the risk of, of getting tired and burnt out on religion. We don't run that at all because that love constantly causes us to pour out more and pour out again and pour out again and pour out again. And when we feel like we're at the end of our rope, we realize I just have too much love and I want to do it again. Day after day, I wake up. Emma and I wake up together and we pour our lives into three little children that really have not yet learned how to do chores. They really haven't learned how to do a whole lot. They're incredible children. But as Jared said last week with, with his daughter, Vivian, she's literally done nothing because <laughs> she's a little baby. Our children, every once in a while, will pick up their goldfish crackers when they've thrown it on the ground and stomped on it. You know, like that's, that's their level of contribution right now. But it's funny, at the end of the day, I don't say, oh, I'm so burnt out on this. I don't know if I can do it again. And if I do, it's a fleeting thought because I know next morning I am waking up and I'm loving those children because I love them and I'm all in with them. See, I keep getting this question, how do we avoid burnout in our church moving forward as we reopen everything? Listen, the lengths we will go for the things we love. I don't see anybody getting burnt out on their ability to check stats on their favorite team. I don't see anybody getting burnt out on their ability to chase women because they just need to sleep with someone. I don't see anybody getting burnt out on their ability to trash the government because they just want to somehow force their anger somewhere. I don't see anybody getting burnt out on their ability to do these things. But when it comes to the church, some of us are trying to serve at full tilt while not recognizing we're only at a half love for the world that we live in. It's when you get real with yourself and you say, God, I don't fully love the people. I don't even care whether or not to go to heaven or hell. I don't care to read and actually digest this for myself and wake up with a passion for you. It's when we get real with that that God can start moving in our lives. It's when we get to that point that God can pull us out and say, ha, thanks for being honest. Let's start building from here. Because he's not looking for you to be at a place that somebody else is at. He's just asking you to be honest in his presence, because that's what he can work with. Church, if you've been around me, I'm closing it off now. I had so many verses on love. <laughs> it's turning out to be an angry message. Not at all. 
<laughs> just smashed my iPhone on the ground. It's like, whoa. <laughs> What's this guy on? Church, if, if I'm being honest, um, and if you know me at all, you know, like, I love people. <laughs> like, I love people. And I love people outside the church sometimes more than I love people inside the church. Because at least the people outside the church aren't pretending they're trying to, like, have it all together. <laughs> you know? But people inside the church, they pretend like they're better than everybody else. And then they really don't try. <laughs> at times. And it ticks me off sometimes, but you know, like if you've been around me for any length of time, I love, I love this world we live in, not the things our world does, but I love the people that God created. I love every single individual that has the imagined day in, there, in them, the image of God, the, 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 the life that God placed. In. I, love, I love seeing what they could be in Christ. And so you know that I purposely signed up to gyms just so that I can reach people with the love of God. You know that I stayed in refereeing for probably five years longer than I should have because I had a full-time job and I was working to one in the morning refereeing only because I would get stuck in rooms with guys where I just like start to talk to them about Jesus. You, you know that this is my heart, but you wanna, you wanna know something else? I need to be honest because over the last year and a half, I allowed my focus to go from loving the world to getting upset with the world. Like guys, I run the risk of getting burnt out early in September, unless I change that in my life. Unless I recognize that I'm put on earth to serve the world and not just be to be served by the world. If I don't get that into me, if I don't get the level of love deep inside of me, I run the risk of not being able to run this race. And I'm saying this to you right now because I'm not angry with anybody on the other side of the screen. I am simply saying, can we be honest before God with where we're actually at, with our ability to love the world around us. So we can ask God to legitimately break our hearts for what breaks his. And I can tell you, as I've been doing this over the last three weeks in my life, it's amazing what God starts to do. It's amazing how all of a sudden you start noticing the inflections in your neighbor's voice as you're talking and realizing maybe they're not so good. It's amazing how all of a sudden you'll take the longer route to pray over the universities. It's amazing how all of a sudden you'll wake up earlier to just hug your kids a little tighter to remind them that you wanna really show them what the Father's love looks like through their father. It's amazing what will start happening when you start saying, God, I'm not where I wanna be, but I want to love this world more. I wanna understand your love deeper. I wanna understand what it means to really love the people that are around me day in and day out. And guess what starts happening? God starts changing your heart. And then all of a sudden, an undeniable desire to serve those people that you love starts replacing all the excuses that you have why you can't love them. Church, I believe that it's gonna take great lengths to reach this world that we live in, but we'll only go to the lengths of our love. For the joy set before Christ, he died for us. For the love that he had for you and I, he went and died a sinner's death so that you and I could be in relationship with him. Christianity proclaims that Jesus is the only God that has ever been proclaimed on the face of this earth that said, you don't need to do something to be accepted by God. All you need to do is to accept what that God did for you. It's the only faith that has ever been proclaimed in this world that says you actually don't get to do anything to receive 
salvation, to receive what you need from that God. You don't actually have to, all you have to do is receive the free gift of salvation that has already been paid for you. And church, when we understand that so deeply, we go out and love the world around us because we realize we're not so different than our neighbors. We're not so different than our friends. We're not so different than those that don't attend church. The only difference is that we have been able to receive what Jesus did for us. If you're on the other side of the screen and you wanna receive what Jesus did for you, I just wanna encourage you right now, why don't you just bow your head? If you're watching online, you can click the button that came up in the chat, but if you're watching at a watch party or at home by yourself, whatever else, why don't you just give an outward symbol of what's happening inwardly right now and raise your hand and say, Jesus, I I just wanna put up my hand and say, yes, I'm here. I wanna receive what you did for me on that cross. The Bible says that when we do that, when we believe in our hearts and we confess with with our, our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will spend eternity with Jesus which means you literally get to walk this earth with his spirit now. And as you pass from this life into the next, you actually get to pass into an eternity where God is, is, is near you and God is with you rather than separate from him. If you wanna make that decision right now, I encourage you just bow your head and I'm gonna pray for you. Jesus, thank you for who you are and thank you that you went to such great lengths because of your love for us, that you died on a cross to pay a price that was meant for us. Jesus, I thank you that right now as people make a decision to follow you, that they're taking the first step in a journey of faith that says, I wanna, I wanna walk with Jesus. I wanna become a part of the family of God and I wanna live my life on mission for him. Jesus, we know that this decision makes us perfect before you, but now you wanna, you wanna start working with us on some of those sin habits and whatever else. God, may your Holy Spirit be with us as you begin that process inside of us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, somebody's gonna come up and they're gonna give you some more information on what to do if you made that, that, that first step in your journey of faith. It's the first step. The first step is you're already accepted by Jesus. The rest of the steps, you now get to live out from the reality that you've been accepted. Not from the reality of trying to get accepted, the reality that you've already been accepted. So now let's live it out. For the rest of us that have made that decision and we sometimes forget that, maybe this message is convicting and. Certainly it's convicting for me because I sometimes honestly think that I live my life without a care in the world if the people around us don't experience Jesus and therefore end up in eternity that is completely separate from him. It's like it's almost too hard of a burden to carry and so I'd rather just not think about it. But I'm telling you love for the people around you flips that narrative to say, this message is too great. I can't keep it from you. So if you're feeling convicted by this message today, as I am, as I'm speaking it, I'm going, God, if I'm not honest right now, it might be a spiritual death for me. If that's you, could you just lift up a hand? I wanna pray for you. Jesus, the fall's coming. You have a great call on our church. The truth is, is that the energy it's gonna take is too much for anybody that's half-hearting it. But Lord, For those of us that are willing to say right now, God, I need you to increase my love for the world that we live in, there's boundless energy to come. Boundless, boundless energy to serve those around us. Boundless ability to open up our eyes and see the world that we live in the way that you see it. So God, may you do something right now in our church that I can't do no matter how great of a leader I am. May you deepen our love for the world that we live in for the people we call neighbors, for the people that we call family, 
for the people that we call coworkers, for the people we call Canadians, and for the, the humans that live around us. Jesus, we need not a deeper heart in ourselves for others. We need your heart for this world that we live in. Otherwise, the task you have given us is too great. So therefore, Jesus, we are like Moses, and we say, Lord, unless you go with us, do not send us out from this season into the fall. Unless you deepen our love for the, those around us, God, please do not send us out into the fall. But Lord, right now, I pray that not only would we pray right now, but may this be a continual prayer on our lips and in our hearts as we march towards the fall, as we count down towards a, a glorious slate 2.0, as we count down to, to a great future that you have in store for our church. Lord, may you deepen our love for this world that we live in. And we see it the way you see it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.